technology is so predominantly white. And the challenges with industries that are not owned and operated by us, actually, even if they are, mm-hmm. when it comes to referrals and breaking people in, your networks are in kind. Your networks look like you, mm-hmm. right? So if you have a if you have an MIT graduate yeah. who's working on the next Facebook and he's got two hundred thousand dollars to start this company or whatever the case is, he is going to tap his friends to help him first. Right. And his friends do not look like you and I. Mm-hmm. And that's just, that's just that's that. <laughs> that's just that. Um, so I think there, I think that's the first issue, right? When we're talking about wealth gaps and wealth disparities, and then just what the networks of the people who are building the things look like. You're listening to the Digital Jamaica Podcast, a show created to inform, inspire, and motivate more Jamaicans to explore the world of tech. I'm Monique McIntosh, and on today's show, we're talking to Robin Johnson, aka Robin J, tech entrepreneur, super creative, and the founder of the Indie Creator Society and the Indie Creator Fund. Now, these entities were set up to support and fund Black creative projects in America and now in the Caribbean. Now, we all know that if you didn't go to a certain school, look a certain way, or have access to really powerful networks, chances are you'd be left out of some really important conversations and you wouldn't have the same level of access as someone who did. Enter Robin Jay with the Indie Creator Society, which was created to facilitate the sharing of information so there'd be a more level playing field for people who look like us. Because to be honest, if we really look at it, there isn't a lack of skill within the black community, rather a lack of opportunity for black creatives. Since then, she's created the Indie Creator Fund, where black creatives can access grants to further their creative pursuits. But guys, listen, it's a whole heap of information, it's a whole heap of insight, and just good vibes (laughs) in this podcast episode, and nice juicy bits that I know that you're going to enjoy. So without any more talking from me, here's a conversation with Robin J. So I am Robin Johnson, commonly known as Robin J, founder of Indie Creator Society. Indie Creator Society is a community for Black and minority creatives who are looking to either scale their companies independently, pivot into technology, or just sustain their lifestyles as creators. Uh, We believe that information should not be exclusive, and that's been the barrier of entry for many of us um, into scaling into creativity full-time. So that is what we do. I'm also the founder of Indie Creator Fund, which is a free grant program, non-equity taking grant program for creative entrepreneurs that we launched during the COVID-19 pandemic last year. That's me. No, Robin. One word. Extraordinary. Oh. <laughs> and I, 
I, I mean, I really oh, just so want uh, to jump right into it because there's so much I think that um, you can share uh, with our community. And there's so much as I think that lots of persons can learn from you. Um, in the Creator Society, we know a little bit about it, but tell our listeners more. Like, what started this? How did you come up with the concept of Indie Creator Society and what really birthed it? What's the story behind it? Oh, sure. Mm-hmm. Um, we've got a long story, so I hope we have time. <laughs> okay, so uh, Indie Creator Society started from, in all honesty, from a place of frustration. Mm-hmm. Um, so I have been... I always call myself uh, music adjacent. So I've been like running proximate to the music and entertainment industry for upwards of a decade. Um, And it's, it's absolutely one of my favorite, like music is everything for me. So it's one of my favorite fields. But what I did notice as um, a young woman in music in New York city, uh, the barrier of entry for us was difficult. Um, and not just just not just women getting into music is hard. It's all about who, you know, um, talent is necessary, of course, but your Rolodex is almost more important. And that being said, whether you were trying to be embedded inside of music on the executive level or as an employee or you wanted to be an artist, it was exceptionally hard. Um, I've always been the person that fights for the underdog. I'm pro underdog. I like to see the people you don't expect to win win. Probably because I think I'm I'm one myself in some ways. So being in that music space, seeing where the business landscape was going as far as technology and seeing how difficult it was for us to break into music in a way that would actually be lucrative for us. I pivoted to technology to learn what business looked like at scale. What does it look like to build something from the ground up? to raise money, to get a large customer basis, all of that, because I felt like that was something I could bring back to the music industry at some point um, and make it a little easier for us. What I noticed about technology is what it, is that it wasn't very different from music when it came to getting in. I was lucky, um, <laughs> but it definitely also was who you know or where you went to school. And definitely who knows you. Who knows you. So again, different. Mm -hmm. We've got two industries that are completely different that has one big issue in common. So I stuck it out in technology, obviously. And I, in it, I realized that there was space to embed creativity inside of technology if you were speaking to the right people and you were able to innovate. Um, So I started to do that. I was working at Uber, actually. I spent Mm -hmm. five years at Uber. And I was working there and building out creative processes, creative pipelines, marketing, figuring out how to retain certain talent that were creative and how to attract it. Um, and in doing that, I realized that even still, even though I was building things from ground zero, I had the access because I knew the right people. Right. But my peers did not have the same liberties that I did. Um So I wanted to change that. I was like, ultimately, this isn't fair. Um, Let's get people in the door. And the only way to get people in the door is to actually tell them that they can be here. And Indie Creator Society was formed. I just essentially wanted Mm -hmm. to be kind of like a mole, for lack of the better word, 
have someone in the building that could tell you all of the secrets, tell you how to get there, (laughs) tell you what you need it to look like, um, tell you what to work on, tell you who to talk to, tell you how to position yourself and get you in the building so you can ultimately get paid. Um, And that's how it started. And it, it developed into a lot more than that. But yeah. Do you see no why I said exceptional? Like <laughs> if it was a question before, I, I hope it's, I hope you see. No, Robin, you dropped a lot of stuff a while ago, but there are lots of people who still don't know who you are. So no, they know about in the creator society, but tell me a little bit about Robin, because I think that that is going to contextualize everything that you just said. Tell me a little bit sure. about you. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I was born and bred in Brooklyn, New York, Mm -hmm. but I am first generation Jamaican. So I really don't say that I'm American. I say I'm Jamaican. Um, We claim you. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. All right, I'm ready to go back. But um, so I was born to Jamaican parents and my Mm -hmm. parents were like, my dad is full on creative. He was a photographer for most of his life or a taxi driver, but it was always both of those things. And my mom was in hospitality and focused a lot on operations. Mm -hmm. So I think I, as a child, I tapped into the creative and entrepreneurship of my dad. Like I 100% have hustle inherited from him. Um, But from my mom, I understood how to develop relationships, essentially develop relationships and make people feel good. So I spent most of my life doing exactly that. I was Mm -hmm. a creative kid. I was a writer. I was a singer. I was a dancer. I started my career in music working at Violator Records under Chris Lighty, God Rest His Soul, and um, transitioned out of music after six years because I really didn't like what it was for Black women at that time. It wasn't a safe space and I was a young girl. Um, so I left and just wanted to continue to find ways to give back to the community of people who are a lot like me, who love music, who want to be embedded, but just couldn't get in or couldn't, couldn't stand it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess other fun facts about me, mm-hmm. I, my first pivot away from a record label, I started a website called thetakeover.com. That was my first like big baby. Um, and that was committed to showcasing underground talent without them having to actually pay for press mm, um, because that yeah. was an issue that was plaguing the industry for a really long, long time, time. Yes. it probably still is yeah. Um, but yeah and now I am living in Silicon Valley working at a large tech company mm-hmm. um, kind of doing the same thing <laughs> <laughs> managing creative and putting them on to to new talent so we could do great work great work wow that's me I love it I me Love it. <laughs> okay. And, and Thank I'm you. really glad that you did that because that really puts a lot of things into context. And yes, we accept you and welcome you here. Do you remember where your parents are from? Where in Jamaica? Oh, for sure. My mom is from Kingston. Mm-hmm. My dad is from St. Anne. Yeah. Um, and I lived in Jamaica as a baby, so I mm-hmm. don't remember this time, but I lived in Montego Bay. Okay. Yeah. So... You said a lot of stuff, um, but something that that really stood out for me was information should not be exclusive. 
and es- mm-hmm. especially as quote unquote minority groups, especially as persons who have been marginalized and excluded deliberately out of these conversations, uh, anything related to power or moving up the ladder, um, historically, information has been exclusive. And and so that just stuck um, and resonated so deeply with me. Um, why do you think that that uh, this still emerges in the tech space? Um, I'm just going to say it. Technology is so predominantly white, and the challenges with industries that are not owned and operated by us. Actually, even if they are, Mm -hmm. when it comes to referrals and breaking people in, your networks are in kind. Your networks look like you, Mm -hmm. right? So if you have a, if you have an MIT graduate who's working on the next Facebook and he's got $200,000 to start this company or whatever the case is, he is going to tap his friends to help him first. Right. And his friends do not look like you and I. Mm-hmm. And that's just, that's just facts. That. <laughs> that's just that. Um, so I think there, I think that's the first issue, right? When we're talking about wealth gaps and wealth disparities, and then just what the networks of the people who are building the things look like. And I don't think we, I don't think we discuss that part much mm-hmm. when we hear challenges about talent pipeline when it comes to breaking black people into tech and things like that. Um, It is a problem, right? There is a pipeline problem, but only because the people who are hiring or the people who are building do not have friends who are black. Yeah. And that's, that's it. Yeah. Yes. And then the different spaces. So that's why you double down on creating access and especially access to information. Uh, no, yeah. you mentioned something a little earlier about um, the Indie Creator Fund. Mm-hmm. I know you mentioned that you launched it during COVID, but when exactly did you launch it? And what was that moment that you were like, no, I have to create something to 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 help and to support um, financially? I launched it on Juneteenth. Okay. Um, and to me, that was that was that Very, was really important. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was really really important. So the moment we were obviously last year was difficult yeah um for a lot of reasons but i think the racial unrest got to a space that as millennials we hadn't seen with our own eyes yeah right generations before us have and they've experienced it we have not we've been able to go through life quote unquote free um and I say that very, very loosely, loosely. Mm-hmm. but with with liberties that the generations prior to us didn't have yeah. and our experiences while while we have seen and felt racism in many ways, I don't think we as a culture were truly paying attention to the ways that overt racism continues to deteriorate black experiences and black lives overall um so uh, we were in the midst of George Floyd and Breonna Taylor and just every day was a different head headline and it was exhausting. Yeah. 
and I was showing up and going to work every day and I working up in a predominantly white, white space. Mm-hmm. And I, I have for most of my life, if I'm being transparent mm-hmm. and you hear people say, hey, I want help or but not actually doing anything. Yes. Um, so I wanted to figure out a, a way that I could help in a, a way that was very for us, by us. We had a lot of companies starting funds or donating hundreds of thousands of dollars to nonprofit organizations who are significantly bigger than ICS, but they made their donations and they walked away. And to me, that's not help, mm-hmm. right? It's a good press moment for you, but that is not at all help because you don't really know who you're touching mm-hmm. and you don't know how. Are you even interested beyond your donation or do you just want to look good? Yeah. Do you just so, want a tax write-off? And to, Exactly, to, that as well. To be able to post, I stand in solidarity with the Black, exactly. <laughs> black Lives Matter movement. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Post a Black square so, and move on. <laughs> and move on. And then it's over, yeah. right? And we're seeing that six months later later that a lot of that a lot of those initiatives that have started have have simmered down significantly from these companies Mm -hmm. so I I I knew that it was lip service I was appreciating the donations though um I called it capitalizing off of white guilt so um I appreciated seeing it but I knew that for the most part it was lip service and there may not have been a significant amount of change so I what I realized is At the end of the day, when you want change, no one understands your experience better than you. So I couldn't be upset with these companies for just making a donation and walking when they don't have anyone that look like that looks like me or you advising them on how to actually invest this money. So I launched the Indie Creative Fund. Um, It was my way of developing something, like I said, for us, by us, understanding what we needed um, and how to help. Additionally, there wasn't really, I wasn't finding much that was focused on creative entrepreneurship specifically. Um, there was COVID relief, sure, but that's, you know, broad brush. Right. If I focused on, if I also paint with a broad brush and focus on creative freelancers, that's a different pipeline of people, right? That's people who could not who honestly maybe even weren't paying taxes before because they were operating under themselves and they didn't realize they had to. I wanted to talk to the brick and mortar stores who hadn't been paying insurance because they couldn't afford it. So they weren't able to benefit from larger COVID relief funds because they weren't insured. Um, they, or they couldn't benefit from insurance claims when their windows were smashed in the unrest, right? things like that. I wanted to also speak to the content creators who wanted to start something, who had great ideas and just needed that friends and family round of seed funding that we're oftentimes left out of because we don't have the money to invest. So it was, it was that, that was the reason that I wanted to start. It was a very small fund. It was $25,000. But I think we were able to do some good work. Yes. You mentioned it being an equity free grant program. What does that mean? Mm -hmm. Um, It means that we're not taking, we're not asking for ownership of your business in any capacity. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We're just, if you apply for it and we decide to grant you mm-hmm. um, or issue a grant, then it was 100% essentially no strings no attached. No strings attached. Um, 
Yeah. Mm -hmm. Usually when you're raising money, Mm -hmm. if you're raising money for a product or something and you're going the venture capital route, um, which to be transparent, I do not oppose. I really want to transfer into the VC space in the next year or two. Um, But if you're going the venture capital route, if someone is giving you money, they want a piece of what you are building. Um, But that's not what this is. Yeah. Yeah. And thank you for it. Thank you for that clarification, because I really wanted uh, persons to really understand uh, the impact of what it is that you've been doing. So is the fund still open? Are persons still accessing it or you've um, closed off? Where are you within that? That space. So mm-hmm. uh, that's a great question. We are actually mm-hmm. going to be reopening for applications at the end of Q1 or Q2 because we've moved the needle. Mm-hmm. Our goal last year was $25,000 and we want to raise a million dollars this Ooh. year instead. So, yeah, so I think that's the first time <laughs> I've shared that like in an interview. So there you go. You heard it here first. Exclusive. We're moving. We're trying to raise a million dollars. I hope we can do it. I hope. Um, but yeah, so when once we formally announce that and re and start accepting donations again, mm-hmm. Then we'll also open up for applications and we're just building a lot on the ICS side overall um, that should help us raise money as well. So there's Mm -hmm. just a lot of changes coming soon. Yes. Wow. No, I have another question because um, Mm -hmm. is the Indie Creator Fund exclusive or limited to companies in the United States? It was. It no longer will be, which is also why I decided to um, push to raise a million dollars. I realized that globally, um, not even I'm specifically Caribbean islands, I feel like are oftentimes left out of the conversation when it comes to uh, technology and entrepreneurship. Oh, girl, say it again. And say it again (laughs) Caribbean islands are left out of the conversation when it comes to technology and entrepreneurship yeah and there is so much talent globally Mm -hmm. there's so much we can do in these kind of for lack of a better words micro organizations of people yeah um so much we can build and so much we can touch so I in knowing that a lot of the funds were targeting us only yes I wanted to expand to globally so specifically so we can pivot a lot of money or a good amount of funding to uh, spaces outside of the states. And uh, yes, absolutely. But this is a part of the reason why we at Digital Jamaica have these conversations because you you a lot of persons are surprised when we start dropping names of persons jamaicans mm. that we know personally or we know through our network um who are working at huge companies who are working at your automatic mm-hmm. your microsoft your wordpress your your apple your all of these huge global companies, as well as um, the creators here, whether they're software developers, whether they're digital marketers within their own spaces and verticals, making amazing moves uh, for companies, both locally and internationally. 
Um, and uh, we were frustrated by the fact that, okay, so nobody's going to talk about this. Nobody's seeing this. Nobody, well, yeah. ever, everybody is operating and working in their silos. And yes, you have your head down and you're doing the work and you're accomplishing these things. But as a whole, how are we moving the tech industry, the community forward and together as a whole and um there was a conversation recently on twitter too uh, because some of our, our local tech companies who have been putting in the work um were expressing a bit of their own frustrations around funds not understanding what they do some of the bigger mm. money or the persons who are interested or, you know, we have a few angel foundations or, you know, areas uh, where persons can approach for funding, etc. Um, but on a whole or, or general level, it, they were like, you know, we can't wait for that one Jamaican company, tech company that really pushes past and explodes on the world um, stage, like not big for Jamaica, not big for the Caribbean, but just big, you know? Yeah. Uh, and then maybe they'll take us seriously because we've presented this and we've done this and, uh, you know, the kind of take up or the feedback is it, it's not to the level that if we really took it seriously, uh, that we would be hankering down and super investing in. So yeah. you saying that the the indie creates a fund. I'm doing my happy dance over <laughs> here. I'm not even staying still in my chair. My happy dance oh is my in full effect. Um and as soon as um, you launch that information, we would love to have it so that we can share with our community as well uh, for persons Absolutely. to be aware of, uh, to support in any way possible um, and to share. Uh, yeah. Ooh, I feel it. Absolutely. I will be sure to do that. You make mm -hmm. a, you make a valid point, right? Mm -hmm. But it's interesting because it's like, how, well, how will people scale if you don't give them the opportunity to? Yes. So in, in, in saying or in having the feedback that people aren't taking us seriously or people seriously in certain spaces because they haven't essentially shown improved. That's why we want to focus on we're kind of like that first round. Right. Right. Or your bridge, your bridge loan, your bridge gap, whatever. Yeah. Um, either to help you start or to help you sustain or to help you scale. A lot of funds, a lot of investors do want to see a full, a full functioning business plan, a full MVP. And I, that's lower risk. So I completely understand. Mm -hmm. um, but when we're talking about developing communities or communities like ours who just have not been invested in for a really, really long time, then unfortunately you sometimes cannot expect a full functioning product, a full functioning thing and or full functioning in the way in your lens. Yes. Right. Um, for lack of a better phrase, you kind of have to as investors or people or donors, you have to be willing to get creative. You have to be willing to see these come see the bigger picture of the companies, see what they're and invest in the actual vision and not 
the actuality of the product right. in front of you right? Um, and figure out how your investment can help them get to the vision. So it's, it's more than money. It's a financial investment, sure, but it's also resources and access to people mm-hmm. and creative collateral who can help you get to the finish line who can get you to the ribbon cutting. Um, But again, that's an access thing that a lot of us just don't have right now. And that's what I'm solving for. I'm I'm inspired. I am inspired. I'm inspired talking to you. I appreciate it. (laughs) So in terms of, um, do you have any uh, stories or or anything that you could share with us about uh, persons who you've helped along the way? So to mm-hmm. be fair, mm-hmm. um, I kept all donation recipients private okay. this time around. Okay. Um, that was to protect them in a lot of ways. Yes. And also so because I have seen in the past mm-hmm. where um, after people have raised money, certain venture capitalists didn't then want to invest. Um, and I did not want to be a reason right. why I want to contribute to yes. an issue that's already a tough problem. Yes. Uh, so we kept a lot of people quiet yes. this time around. However, yeah. over the holidays, we gave away a lot of technology mm-hmm. uh, to help people get to their business goals uh, this year. So we ran an ICS holiday giveaway and a lot of that was funding that I donated to the fund myself. Um, and some leftover from what we had not given out in grants last year. Mm-hmm. Um, we gave away Final Cut Pro, Photoshop, uh, annual Canva memberships. We gave away a MacBook. We gave away an iPad, uh, things like that. And that was pretty rewarding. We were able to do that yeah. um, over the Christmas break. Uh, so that was that's recent. And those folks are public. Right. Um, but some of the feedback that I've gotten, especially from talking to the winners or even people who entered and didn't win, what I realized is that there are still a significant amount of people who lack access to the technology they need to start companies. Yes. I thought we had an information issue. We still have an issue with like actual hardware. Yeah. We still have people who cannot afford tablets yeah. and laptops. Yeah. Um, and in a world that has transitioned to virtual because of COVID-19, <laughs> it's like, how do we solve for that? <laughs> how do we solve for that? People, this one young lady entered the giveaway and she didn't, she didn't win, but she and I had a brief chat and she told me she'd been doing papers on her iPhone. Yeah. And that I've heard that story before. But that was like the last time I heard that happen. It was 2015, 2014. And I remember being stunned then. I'm like, why are we still here? (laughs) Doing papers from from her her iPhone is a privilege right now. Right now with COVID. um, Literally what you what you just said brought tears to my eyes um, because when we really look at, I'm looking here in Jamaica right now, even to our students with the situation that they're, that they're in right now, our educational system had no infrastructure for online. 
minutes. Zero. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I think a few schools, even within the public system, would have been uh, integrating Edmodal, I think it, it was, where maybe okay. where your um, teacher can upload something and you can read or you can get instructions, etc. But it was literally uh, on the side, by the way, you know, support, aid teaching or learning aid, right? Infrastructure system. Before COVID happened, there were no, people didn't even know what Zoom was or that it existed, okay? Wow. Much less for us to be thrust into an entire system where you're supposed to be online. So you're talking, people shared, siblings shared a phone, between each other to do amongst each other to do classes it's it's a mess robin it's a mess <laughs> the struggle it, it, it is really unfortunate yeah that's unfortunate and i thank you for the transparency i hope people hear this yeah. and they acknowledge that we still have so much work to do yeah. because people think we are much further than we are yes. right especially when you start hearing like oh a million dollars from a fund yes. or this company donated five million it yes. sounds like a lot of money yes and it is yes. but five million dollars allocated in the wrong places is not helpful yes right if you have five million and you're giving five hundred thousand dollars to a company who doesn't need the 500 yes. instead of amplifying an entire school system in a small community like yours, then yeah. what is your impact really? Right. Mm -hmm. We, we spend so much money on ideas in the U S and I think, don't get me wrong. I'm a creative. So I love that, yes. but there has to be a different level of accountability for com like organizational change overall in a lot of places. Um, but you know, if you're not attached to the problem, unfortunately, sometimes you don't care about yeah. it. And you don't, you don't really um, so, see it. I think it's 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 quite aligned with with uh, what you mentioned earlier about if if you went to Harvard and you're leaving and you have this bright idea that you're going to launch, you're going to reach for, you know, your roommates. You're going to call on mm -hmm. somebody who you were in class with. You're going to call on your lecturer. You're going to uh, reach mm -hmm. uh, out to your community. And so sometimes if you're not acquainted if you're not aware if you're not affected <laughs> by um certain situations by certain circumstances you just don't see it and you just don't feel it who feels who feels it knows it you know yes exactly mm -hmm. exactly that mm -hmm. that's oh now i'm gonna have to i'm gonna have to figure out making sure everyone in schools has, has <laughs> thanks. thanks so much monique <laughs> give me more work I, thank you well, but you know what i again i'm glad we were able to talk about this yeah. piece because so people can hear it and maybe figure out how to raise money on their own and do things yeah. like this um, but this is also a part of the reason I wanted to expand mm -hmm. to uh, Caribbean communities specifically, because we although we are the Indie Creator Society, yes. the Indie Creator Fund, like everyone's a creator. Yes. The word is very loose. Yes. I'm a firm believer that everyone is a creative in some capacity. Um, so it doesn't mean while we've painted with a broad brush, we now have the opportunity to micro fund certain initiatives right right what does it look like for us to go in and fund 
to schools and, and like give them access to tablets and Zoom and all of this stuff. Yeah. While I'm saying that, so I'm going to have to do that. But, <laughs> um, but that 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 is part. That's that's the work that I want to do, yes. right? I want to make sure you guys have access to co-working spaces or just other people who can help you build, yes. help you build what you want to. What does tapping into the talent that exists outside of American soil really, really Looks look like. like? And how much further could we go if we start working together? Yeah. A lot of what you said um, has resonated uh, deeply with me. And I know um, when Katie listens to this, she will be bouncing out of her chair. Um, Yeah. So you've already exploded the huge announcement whenever I left anything to... um, until the end but is there anything else um that you have coming up uh that you want to share um what's next or what's new uh for in the creator society or for you robin for me i don't know the things i want to do change every single day so (laughs) (laughs) to be honest i'm that kind of creative i just like to build things that help people so who knows what i end up doing this year personally but on the ics side um We are developing a lot. So as I mentioned, Any Creator Society was started as just a community Mm -hmm. for Black creators and information to be shared. And our marquee event, our first event ever was called Creator Week. It was a three-day conference. Um, Uber sponsored it. It was incredible. And we brought 500 creators into Silicon Valley to figure out how to pivot into tech. And it was amazing. And even if they didn't want to pivot into tech and they just wanted to hone in on their skills as creatives, we had opportunities for that. There were VCs there. Someone got funded. A couple people got jobs. It was great. It's probably like one of the best things I've, I'd ever done. Mm-hmm. Um, and the original plan was to launch that and do that in four different cities. Um, COVID, obviously took that away (laughs) from us and allowed us to focus on the digital community. But we are excited to start working on Creator Week 2021. Mm -hmm. Um, And that one is going to be virtual. Um, So that's something that's coming. That's going to happen summer of this year. Mm -hmm. Um, And their ICS and how people access it is going to look a lot different as well. I can't say much there, Mm -hmm. but... Um, we will be transitioning away from Instagram so we can be a bit more intentional on getting people the help and the information that they need. Okay. Um, so that's all that I'll say there. Yes. Just, you know, stay tuned. Yes. <laughs> okay. And uh, for, for persons who have been listening, tell us how they should contact you or contact in the Creator Society. Right now, follow us on Instagram, mm-hmm. <laughs> Indie Creator Society. Um, or you can, if you go to our website, IndieCreatorSociety.com, you can sign up for email alerts. And that's actually where we'll be pushing out a lot of the announcements first mm-hmm. um, via the email subscription list. And yeah, that's the best place to find announcements. If you want to follow me, you can follow me at It's Robin J. So that's on Instagram. Um, but I am, I'll be transparent. I need, in order to do what we want to do this year, yes. I'm going to be spending a lot less time online off online, so I can just focus on the back end of this work. So ICS is probably the best place to, to reach us instead of me directly. Okay. All right. Before we go, any tips 
or any final words that you'd like to um, share with someone who has a creative idea, who wants to launch something, may not know how, the creative who has been working at their idea and hasn't tapped through yet, what would you say to them? The first thing I would say to, I feel like a lot of creatives actually sit on our ideas for a long time. My advice is to start. Yeah. That's it. Do not, do not overthink yourself out of your dreams and do not wait for a perfect idea or a perfect moment because that will never happen. Even when you have an incredible product, Mm -hmm. perfect is not reality. Perfection is not reality. So start. Um, Second thing is collaborate. It's my favorite. Um, Reach out to people who are, I would always say network across, reach out to people who are peers who are at the same level as you, but offer something different to help you build the thing. Yeah. Um, Do not work in a silo. It is difficult. And I think a lot of us hate to say it. A lot of us are control freaks and our (laughs) ideas are our ideas. But sometimes we exist so much inside of the thought that execution is lost. Um, So like release yourself and actually just collaborate so you can, so you can build the thing that you want. And lastly is there are a million resources online for you to learn things for free or at low cost, Mm -hmm. tap into them and really sharpen your skill set. If you are a designer, continue to be well-practiced, but figure out the niche spaces that may be upcoming that you can focus on. Um, how can I say, for example, if you're a graphic designer, probably look into what animation is yeah. for yourself. Start learning animation so you can offer something else to the landscape. If you are a producer, great. Look into post-production specifically. Um, things like that. So if as a if you're just a practicing creative, if you're a working creative, not necessarily building a thing, but Find the level of niche that exists inside of your medium that you can start offering as a service. Yeah, those three things. Gems. Robin. I hope that's helpful. Absolutely. Um, This was an exceptional conversation. Thank you so much for having me. I'm looking forward to the next one. Awesome. thank you so much for listening Robin is truly exceptional and we really wish the best for Indie Creator Society and the Indie Creator Fund and I'm also throwing here that I'm hoping that we'll be able to collaborate and do something together in the near future yes Robin's work is also a reminder and it's really an encouragement for all of us to really consider community and to take care of each other because it's so important so that all of us can advance and naturally as the digital Jamaica community and family we totally totally endorse uh, that building of community 
If you like the conversations we're having here on the Digital Jamaica podcast, you can show your support by downloading the episodes, subscribing, leaving a review, and of course, by sharing. For more interesting conversations and to explore more digital topics relevant to our community, check us out on YouTube at Digital Jamaica or on our blog at thedigitaljamaica.com. The Digital Jamaica podcast is produced by Kadia Francis with music by Quetzal, sourced from the free musicarchive.com. And until next time, guys, take care of yourself.